Chapter Twelve of A Prefect's Uncle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Prefect's Uncle by W. G. Wodehouse. Chapter Twelve We the Undersigned. Norris kept his word with regard to the bishop's exclusion from the eleven. The team which had beaten the OBs had not had the benefit of his assistance, Lorimer appearing in his stead. Lorimer was a fast right-hand bowler, deadly in the house matches or on a very bad wicket. He was the mainstay of the second eleven attack, and in an ordinary year would have been certain of his first eleven cap. This season, however, was Gosling, Baines, and the bishop. The school had been unusually strong, and Lorimer had had to wait. The non-appearance of his name on the notice-board came as no surprise to Gethryn. He had had the advantage of listening to Norris's views on the subject. But when Marriott grasped the facts of the case, he went to Norris and raved. Norris, as is right and proper in the captain of a school team when the wisdom of his actions is called into question, treated him with no respect whatever. It's no good talking, he said, when Marriott had finished a brisk opening speech. I know perfectly well what I'm doing. Then there's no excuse for you at all, said Marriott. If you were mad or delirious, I could understand it. Come and have an ice, said Norris. Ice, snored at Marriott. What's the good of standing there babbling about Isis? Do you know we haven't beaten the OBs for four years? We shall beat them this year not without Gethryn. We certainly shan't beat them with Gethryn, because he's not going to play. A chap who chooses the day of the MCC match to go off for the afternoon, and then refuses to explain, can consider himself jolly well chucked until further notice. Feel ready for that ice yet? Don't be an ass. Well, if you ever do get any ice, take my tip and tie it carefully around your head in a handkerchief then perhaps you'll be able to see why Gethryn isn't playing against the OBs on Saturday. And Marriott went off raging, and did not recover until late in the afternoon, when he made 83 in an hour for Leicester House in the scratch game. There were only three of the eleven houses whose occupants seriously expected to see the house cricket cup on the mantelpiece of their dining room at the end of the season. These were the schoolhouse, Jeffson's and Leicester's. In view of Pringle's sensational feats throughout the term, the knowing ones thought that the cup would go to the schoolhouse with, with Leicester's runners-up. The various members of the first eleven were pretty evenly distributed throughout the three houses. Leicester's had Gethryn, Reese, and Marriott. Jeffson's relied on Norris, Bruce, and Baker. The schoolhouse trump card was Pringle, with Lorimer and Baines to do the bowling, and Hill of the first eleven, and Kyniston and Langdale of the second to back him up in the batting department. Both the other first eleven men were day boys. The presence of Gosling in any of the house elevens, however weak on paper, would have lent additional interest to the fight for the cup, for in house matches where every team has more or less of a tail, one really good fast bowler can make a surprising amount of difference to a side. There is a great deal of interest in the school about the House Cup. 
the keenest of all games at big schools are generally the house matches when beckford met charchester or any of the four schools which had played at cricket and football keenness reached its highest pitch but next to these came the house matches now that he no longer played for the eleven the bishop was able to give his whole mind to training the house team in the way it should go exclusion from the first eleven meant also that he could no longer unless possessed of an amount of sang froid so colossal as almost to amount to genius put in an appearance at the first eleven net under these circumstances leicester's net summoned him like mr phil may's lady when she was ejected with perfect justice by a barman he went somewhere where he would be respected to the house then he devoted himself and scratch games and before breakfast field outs became the order of the day house feeling before breakfast is one of those things which cannot be classed under the head of the lighter side of cricket you get up in the small hours dragged from a comfortable bed by some sportsman who you feel carries enthusiasm to a point where it ceases to be a virtue and becomes a nuisance you get into flannels and still half asleep stagger off to the field where a hired ruffian hits you up catches which bite like serpents and sting like adders from time to time he adds insult to injury by shouting get to him get to him a remark which finds but one parallel in the language the keep moving of the football captain altogether there are many more pleasant occupations than early morning field outs and it requires a considerable amount of keenness to carry the victim through them without hopelessly souring his nature and causing him to foster uncharitable thoughts towards his house captain j monk of leicester's found this increased activity decidedly uncongenial he had no real patriotism in him he played cricket well but he played entirely for himself if for instance he happened to make fifty in a match and it happened fairly frequently he vastly preferred that the rest of the side should make ten between them than that there should be any more half-centuries on the score-sheet even at the expense of losing the match it was not likely therefore that he would take kindly to this mortification of the flesh the sole object of which was to make everybody as conspicuous as everybody else besides in the matter of fielding he considered that he had nothing to learn which as euclid would say was absurd fielding is one of those things which is never perfect monk moreover had another reason for disliking the field outs gethryn as captain of the house team was naturally master of the ceremonies and monk objected to gethryn for this dislike he had solid reasons about a fortnight after the commencement of term the bishop going downstairs from his study one afternoon was aware of what appeared to be a species of free fight going on in the doorway of the senior day room the senior day room was where the rowdy element of the house collected the individuals who were too old to be fags and too low down in the school to own studies under ordinary circumstances the bishop would probably have passed on without investigating the matter a head of a house hates above all things to get a name for not minding his own business in unimportant matters such a reputation tells against him when he has to put his foot down over big things to have invaded the senior day room and stopped a conventional senior day room rag would have been interfering with the most cherished rights of the citizens 
the freedom which is the birthright of every englishman so to speak but as he passed the door which had just shut with a bang behind the free fighters he heard monk's voice inside and immediately afterwards the voice of danvers and he stopped in the first place he reasoned within himself if monk and danvers were doing anything it was probably something wrong and ought to be stopped Catherine always had the feeling that it was his duty to go and see what monk and danvers were doing and tell them they mustn't he had a profound belief in their irreclaimable villainy in the second place having studies of their own they had no business to be in the senior day room at all it was contrary to the etiquette of the house for a study man to enter the senior day room and as a rule the senior day room resented it as to all appearances they were not resenting it now the obvious conclusion was that something was going on which ought to cease the bishop opened the door etiquette did not compel the head of the house to knock the rule being that you knocked only at the doors of those seniors to you in the house he was consequently enabled to witness a tableau which if warning had been received of his coming would possibly have broken up before he entered in the centre of the group was wilson leaning over the study table not so much as if he liked so leaning as because he was held in that position by danvers in the background stood monk armed with a walking-stick round the walls were various ornaments of the senior day room and attitudes of expectant attention being evidently content to play the part of friends and retainers leaving the leading parts in the hands of monk and his colleagues hello said the bishop what's going on it's all right old chap said monk grinning genially we're only having an execution what's the row said the bishop what's wilson been doing nothing broke in that youth who had wiggled free from danvers clutches i haven't done a thing gethryn these beasts lugged me out of the junior day room without saying what for or anything the bishop began to look dangerous this had all the outward aspect of a case of bullying under reynolds leadership leicester had gone in rather extensively for bullying and the bishop had waited hungrily for a chance of catching somebody actively engaged in the sport so that he might drop heavily on that person and make life unpleasant for him well he said turning to monk let's have it what was it all about and what have you got to do with it monk began to shuffle oh it was nothing much he said then what are you doing with the stick pursued the bishop relentlessly young wilson checked perkins said monk murmurs of approval from the senior day room perkins was one of the ornaments referred to above how asked Catherine. wilson dashed into the conversation again perkins told me to go and get him some grub from the shop i was doing some work so i couldn't besides i'm not his fag if perkins wants to go for me why doesn't he do it himself and not get about a hundred fellows to help him exactly said the bishop a very sensible suggestion perkins fall upon wilson and slay him i'll see fair play go ahead er no said perkins uneasily he was a small weedy-looking youth not built for fighting except by proxy and he remembered the episode of wilson and skinner then the thing's finished said gethryn wilson walks over we needn't detain you wilson wilson departed with all the honors of war and the bishop turned to monk 
now perhaps you'll tell me he said what the deuce you and danvers are doing here well hang it all old chap the bishop begged that monk would not call him old chap i'll call you sir if you like said monk a gleam of hope appeared in the bishop's eye monk was going to give him the opportunity he had long sighed for in cold blood he could attack no one not even monk but if he was going to be rude that altered matters what business have you in the day-room he asked you've got studies of your own if it comes to that said monk so have you we've got as much business here as you what the deuce are you doing here taken by itself taken neat as it were this repartee might have been insufficient to act as a causes belli but by a merciful dispensation of providence the senior day-room elected to laugh at the remark and to laugh loudly monk also laughed not however for long the next moment the bishop had darted in knocked his feet from under him and dragged him to the door captain kettle himself could not have done it more neatly now said the bishop we can discuss the point monk got up looking greener than usual and began to dust his clothes don't talk rot he said i can't fight a prefect this of course the bishop had known all along what he had intended to do if monk had kept up his end he had not decided when he embarked upon the engagement the head of a house cannot fight by battles with his inferiors without the loss of a good deal of his painfully acquired dignity but gethryn knew monk and he had felt justified in risking it he improved the shining hour with an excursus on the subject of bullying dispensed a few general threats and left the room monk had perhaps not unnaturally not forgiven the incident and now that public opinion ran strongly against gethryn on account of his m c c match manoeuvres he acted a mass meeting of the mob was called in his study and it was unanimously voted that field outs in the morning were undesirable and that it would be judicious if the team were to strike now as the mob included in their members eight of the house eleven their opinions on the subject carried weight look here said waterford struck with a brilliant idea i tell you what we'll do let's sign a round robin refusing to play in the house matches unless gethryn resigns the captaincy and the field outs stop we may as well sign an alphabetical order said monk prudently it'll make it safer the idea took the mob's fancy the round robin was drawn up and signed now if we could only get reese suggested danvers it's not good asking marriott but reese might sign let's have a shot at any rate said monk and a deputation consisting of danvers waterford and monk duly waited upon reese in his study and broached the project to him end of chapter twelve we the undersigned